Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. My guests on this episode are a father and daughter, Scott and Sierra Downs. And having Scott and Sierra on as my guests brought two things to mind uh, to talk about. First is the relationship between a birding parent and a birding child. And that can go either way. I know several excellent birders who have had incredibly supportive parents and who have brought their parents into birding. Some examples that come to mind are Patrick Sullivan. Patrick passed some time ago, was just a spectacular young Washington birder, and his mom, Ruth, uh, I don't think was a birder at all before he got into it, but became a reasonably accomplished birder on her own and an excellent photographer. So Patrick and Ruth are one example of a a parent-child duo who uh, became quite dynamic as birders in Washington. Other other people I know who have birded with their parents, a good friend of mine, Ryan Weiss, is a, a fine birder, birds with our ABC Birding Club, and has uh, been with Ken and I on a number of trips, and he birds with his dad. Often he and his dad will take trips uh, to go get some life birds, to see some places that neither of them have been. They're both listers and birders and have a great time birding together. So that's a great example. Other examples that I know are some people who've been previous guests on the show. Will Brooks was a guest on the show twice, I think, and Will uh, birds with his dad. He just got back from a big uh, California, Arizona I think Colorado, Texas, just a big sweep through the west and southwest and south uh, to get some uh, winter birds. So I had a great trip doing that, and I know he and his dad really enjoy birding together. Other examples uh, are numerous, but I know some siblings. Uh, Brad Wagner as it was a guest on the show, a, a top Washington birder, and he has two brothers that bird with him a lot. So sibling birders are another example. Uh, but family birding experiences are really special. Uh, I don't have too much experience myself. Uh, I didn't get a chance to bird with my parents at all. I didn't get into birding until I was an adult, and they, by that time, they had little, really less than little, no interest at all in getting out birding with me. Uh, and my children, I've had some experience birding with them, but they've never really gotten the bug. Uh, we've had some good times out birding and in nature, but neither of them have really become avid birders. But for a father child team in Washington right now, I don't think you'd have to look pretty hard to find a more accomplished uh, parent-child team than Scott and Sierra Downs, and they are really fun to have us on as guests today. We talk quite a bit about uh, birding with your kid and birding with your dad, Uh, so I think that's a really fun topic. The other thing that uh, having Scott on as a guest today brought to mind is listing. Scott is an avid lister. Uh, He is a big Washington State lister, has one of the top lists in Washington State, both on Washington Birder and on eBird, and doesn't miss many uh, chances to get a new Washington Bird on his list. And Sierra is a good lister too. She is loving getting her life species and is really becoming a a lister on her own. Uh, And listing can take many many different uh, aspects. Life lists are what a lot of us think of, finding the most species you can in a given area, your world list, your 
U.S. list, your ABA list, your state list for us, Washington State, for me, my Pierce County list, uh, your yard list, all kinds of lists. And we have year lists and life lists. Uh, but this last week, I got out on two different kind of listing chases, big days. Big days are, a lot of you may have seen the movie The Big Year, which is uh, a whole year of trying to find how many species you can find. But big days are a common thing uh, among birders. And Bruce Labar and I have done big days in Washington, uh, in Washington State here in Pierce County for a few years. Bruce has been doing it with other people long before he and I started doing it. But this year we get out on a really nice big day uh, last Sunday. Uh, so two previous guests on the show joined us, Heather, Heather uh, Balish and uh, Marcus Ronig are a couple, and they joined Bruce and I, and we get out in, in Pierce County for a big day on the 2nd of April. Earlier than we usually go, we've you know thought, had a route last year. We thought was great. We thought maybe if we did it earlier, we could still get the pass runs and get more more uh, lingering winter specialties. And for a number of reasons, we didn't do as well this year as we did last year. We got 114 species versus 133 last year, so quite a difference. We missed a lot of pass runs that just weren't in, or at least we couldn't find this year. Uh, and we didn't pick up enough uh, ducks, waterfowl, grebes, loons, that sort of thing. Uh, to make up for the losses. But we had a great day anyway and had some fine birds. And then two days later, uh, I got out on a big day in Mason County. Mason County is not a county I bird all that much, but one of my really good birding friends, Ken Brown, birds Mason County a lot the last few years. And Jacob Miller is a young up-and-coming birder in Mason County, and he joined Ken and I on a big day in Mason County last Tuesday. Mason County is a relatively underbirded county in Washington. It doesn't have a huge list, uh, and there aren't that many avid birders or avid listers in the county. Uh, and so there really had never been a spring migration big day that we know of in the county. There were big days listed on Washington Birder for October, November, and December, none of which had over 70 birds. And those are just not months you can get a huge list, really, in, in Mason County. So we headed out in May, pretty much on May 4th, Peak time, we thought, to do a big day, and we had a great day. We got up, got to Jacob's farm uh, the night before, and he and his family are building a home there, and so they had a partly finished home. that We had a nice place on the floor to sleep. They had some extra mats who so we were pretty comfortable and stayed overnight in their uh, unfinished home and got up early, started at 5 the next morning, 4.55, I think, the next morning, owling. And we missed barn owl right off the get-go. Uh, barn owl is pretty regular, uh, breeds and uh, spends a year round on their farm, but we just missed it that morning. Uh, but we had about three and a half hours of birding on the area, uh, got some great birds, and went on to the whole central area of Mason County. Ended up with 118 species, felt really good about that, and just had a fabulous day. Best story of the day, in my opinion, uh, we were at Goose Lake, which is just a small lake. It's maybe a hundred yards across. And we're on one side of the lake, and Jacob says, I hear a bush tit. And Ken says, where is it? He says, on the other side of the lake. Because <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, you hear a bush tit way on the other side of the lake. He says, yeah, I hear it. I'm sure that's it. 
And Ken takes a glance with his bins, and we're about to leave, and he just turns around and starts to walk away like, you got to be kidding me, a bush tit 100 yards away. But I put the scope up, and sure enough, I get a bush tit in a bush all the way across the lake. I flag Ken down. He comes racing back. He gets it, too, and we're like, oh, my goodness. Young ears, young, talented ears like Jacob's are a fine asset to have on a big day. Uh, so uh, we got bush tit for the list and had just a great day. Well, I... Uh, I just wanted to kind of get off on that tangent a little bit. But my guests today are Scott Downs and Sierra Downs, his daughter, and were fine guests today. I had a good time talking with them, learning their birding story. I think you'll enjoy it too. Help me welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 100, my 100th numbered episode. So Bird Banner Podcast, episode 100, Scott and Sierra Downs. Sierra, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being my guest today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this will be my first father-daughter uh, episode. I had a father-son episode a long time ago with with Ryan, a kid from a uh, 12-year-old from Texas, south from the lower Rio Grande Valley, really crazy good birder kid. Uh, but uh, he was really the, the birding guest, and his dad was more there as a chaperone than anything else. But I'm excited to have the two of you on as guests. It's going to be fun. Uh, so, let, so let's get started right with a big question. Scott, how did you hit the jackpot and have a kid who is interested in birding? All of us are jealous. If, if, I, if I knew the magic secret, I'd bottle it up because uh, while my I have two daughters, and while my other daughter is very interested in nature. She has no interest in birding. So uh, I, I think the credit goes more to Sierra on that. But yeah, I took her out a few times, but she was the one that kept asking to be taken out. So I, I really didn't do much. It's all her. So Sounds like you. Uh, it's in your genes, Sierra. Uh, your dad's a big lister. Are you, are you mostly a lister or are you an all-around birder? Um, I'm mostly all-around birder, but... She's a much better photographer than I am, so oh, I'm, I I'm, 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 I'm kind of actually worried when when she goes off to college one of these days, and then I actually have to go back to taking taking photos to document the birds. Now I've gotten spoiled of just kind of oh, pointing yeah. and said, Sierra, Ebert needs a photo of that. Can you help me out? So well, that's have, even better, and she probably lugs the camera too, so that's uh, even better. She does. She's uh, so I've, I've become spoiled, and one of these years I'm going to get a nice rude awakening again when it's back to just being me. So, so Sierra, it sounds like you came to birding just kind of uh, because you got out with your dad. Tell me about that. How did you get interested? Um. Yeah. So he, when I was about five, um, used to take me out, and then I just started liking it. So he kept taking me out, and yeah. Yeah. So you kept getting out. It sounds like you're uh, getting pretty darn good. Uh, what about birding most excites you, Sierra? What do you like best about birding? Um, just getting to see new species or just getting to not never know what's like out there and always surprises. Stuff like that. It, it is. One thing about birding is no two days are the same, are they? Nope. No. Uh, so, Scott, uh, how, what about yourself? Tell me your birding story. How did you get into birding in the beginning, and, and how did that evolve? Yeah, so I, um, while my parents were into, I, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and while my parents were into the outdoors, big backpackers, neither one of them were birders. And so I guess I'm the more of the usual young birder of about Sierra's age, you know, six, seven, I did start kind of 
hey, what's this bird? What's this bird? But I kind of learned on my own. And then it wasn't until I think it was maybe about 11 that I met a few of the birders through, uh, I guess this changed to OBA, but back in those days it was OFO. And, uh, you know, like um, Harry Nels, Alan Contreras, um, you know, Steve Heinel was down in Oregon at that point. Uh, he's since moved up to Alaska, but just kind of um, some of those connecting and then started going to some meetings and then uh, grew from there. But a lot of it was just kind of self-taught up to at least about 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Just till 10 or 11. Okay. <laughs> so you got started pretty young. I have to say that the birders I meet who got started when they are young are the best birders. I mean, I think there's something in our brains that if you start learning when you're six or eight or 10 years old, you just, you, you're at a different level than people who start at 25 or 30 or 40. It's just a whole different brain. Although I'm very jealous because when I look back, what what Sierra's life lives is a 15 and what my life lives is 15. I, I don't even want to compare. So it's, uh, it, uh, mine was, uh, yeah, I, I was mostly around the home until about, you know, well into, you know, college. So, yeah. Sure. So Sierra, it sounds like your dad uh, gets you around the state. Um, yeah, we go around, like some in Yakima County, but all around the state. Yeah, I saw you were in uh, in Pierce County just recently. You got the Northern Bobwhite out at JBLM. Yep, we were on the West Coast this weekend. Yeah, and we heard one. Yeah did you did you guys go on the on the main road by Muck Creek or did you go in the little back neighborhood and listen through the fence? It was a little back fence uh, right next to uh, I guess the church there. So yep. yeah, yeah, that's so, uh, that's where the the out of towners who don't have a range permit go. And, and that's <laughs> when I figured it was I I. I think it was actually this weekend that we were just kind of like, what else should we do? And it occurred to me, it's like, you don't have Bob White on your state list. Yeah. And I said, I know it's not the greatest time of day because uh, it was about midday, but I said, you want to go try? Yeah. And I got it, lucky and that sometimes happens that way. We just got lucky and one was still calling about 11 o'clock or so. So Yeah. You're at the right time of year. This is the yeah. month or so that they'll call all day long. The rest of the year, you got to be there at the crack of dawn. Yep. Uh, so it worked out for you. Good. Where else did you go on the on the trip over here? Uh, oh, go ahead, Sarah. You can describe it. So. We went over to the coast and went looked at like the shorebird migration in oh, yeah. West Part and Bottle Beach. Um, yeah, like Midway Beach, Tokeland, you know, kind, kind of the usual little circuit. So yeah, yeah. Bottle Beach, you caught the tides pretty well. Hopefully, was it still was it still good? It's getting a you know towards the end of the best time there. I think it was. Perfect. We had uh, several thousand uh, dowichers, I think. Uh, I forget the total number, but it was 40 plus red knots. Uh, oh, good. So it, it was an awesome day. So, yeah. Good for you. So. Yeah, that's like that's a great place. Uh, I've been reading the tweeters uh, banter back and forth about how do you catch the tides right? And uh, yeah, I have to say it's... Uh, you got. You just gotta get there really early and be patient. <laughs> that's my take. And that's on a lot of what it was. I think uh, we we got there probably a good three and a half hours early, and and wound up actually being at the site for probably three hours. And it was one of those times. It's pretty rare, but they actually the birds stayed all the way. They just for whatever didn't want to leave that day, yeah. and so the birds were still there at almost the high tide mark. Like they were still there. Like I finally looked at my watch. And I'm like, wow, it's an hour before high tide. 
Yeah. And that I, is not normal, I know. So I'm yeah. convinced there are variables that the birds understand that we don't about that. Yeah. You know, it's, it just it seems like if you try to time it just right, you'll miss them half the time. You just got to go early, be patient, you know. Yeah. Bring your boots, walk out to get them and then retreat with them is kind of what I do. So that's cool. Uh, so you got to the coast, you got the Bob White, but you missed the crane. I didn't see your name on that. Did you miss that bird? I did. It would uh, and probably actually affects me more than her. It, it wouldn't have been life bird for either one of us, but it would have been a state bird. And yeah, obviously yeah. I care about my stateless. It's one of those that just between her school and my work uh, couldn't break away during the week. And by the time it came to Friday, it was, it was gone. So uh, just, we would have gone if it stayed to the weekend because we were going over in that direction. I got it like two days before it uh, took off. I had to, I had a family commitment. I had to drive to Sacramento and literally the morning I was getting in the car to go to Sacramento, oh. it, it became clear that you could chase this bird. And I go, oh, four days. It'll never stick yeah. around. And every day it stuck around and it stuck around and it stuck okay. around. And I had promised my girlfriend a, a, a nice leisurely trip back from Sacramento. We're going to, we'll go, we'll check out the Sacramento wildlife refuge and we'll see Lake Shasta. Maybe we'll go over to, well, you had four or five stops you could make in a three or four day trip home. And I said, this bird's got my name on it. We just got to go. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I blasted home. She tolerated it. Good. And then on the other end, uh, I guess we could have headed out Sunday, but uh, it was one of those that we were actually out birding with some other people up uh, up near White Pass and didn't even check my email until four o'clock. And same story. So you can't leave Yakima at four o'clock and have a chance at seeing no, the birds. So yeah. it'll, it'll, well, you might have. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not four thirty. You probably couldn't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have taken some quick planning. Yes. Good. So what? What uh, most? Uh, excites you guys about uh what you're doing in terms of birding now Are you is it a chase of a rare bird is it going to a new place what what kind of really gets you guys going about birding for me i guess it'd be both i mean i just i'm i guess some of the point where it's just kind of you know the annual you know biology of stuff interests uh the other thing that i found really uh neat is there's enough places where i still need two or three life birds and she's never been there. So we actually, I almost kind of get to rediscover a place or, or other birds that maybe I would have seen in my twenties, but you know, it's her for the first time and me and the first time in like 20 years. You know, and sometimes I think the first time in 20 years is it's almost like brand new. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, yeah, we're actually uh, headed here in as soon as school gets out in June, we're, um, we're going to go to uh, like, uh, I, I don't have Kirtland's warbler. Oh. So we're going to go to uh, Upper Michigan, and she's never been back east and seen uh, eastern warblers. And so, oh my gosh, that that really excites I think both of us. Because oh yeah, it's great. It's fun to watch her seabirds for the first time too. So yeah. Yeah. so you'll get you'll get the the boreal species on their breeding grounds, which is a whole different experience than migration. I don't know if you've you know been to any migratory stopovers because that's a completely different kind of birding. I mean, study your songs, study your songs, because I'll tell you, the warblers and the songbirds, you know, when the leaves are all out in June, whoo, they're, they are hard to see. And that's why I've been mentioning to her, uh, she, she never, we've been to Texas, but uh, it wasn't during the main migration. So I think the closest she has is, you know, we've been in migration down in 
like the keys in South Florida, but those mm -hmm. are different species and they'll migrate through the middle. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's going to be fabulous. So you'll be going to, to Michigan. Are you going to go over to uh, uh, down around uh, uh, McGee Marsh or Point Paley? Are you going to pretty much stay in Michigan? Pretty much stay in, uh, pretty much stay in Michigan. Uh, we'll have to, I guess we don't have a fully planned out, but probably Michigan and definitely probably the, the upper peninsula. There's, um, yeah, two birds that I guess it's the last two warblers in North America for me is I don't have Kirtlands or Connecticut. So oh. I'm going to focus on those. Connecticut's pretty tough. And You'll uh, get Kirtlands. <laughs> yes. That will be a nice one. And, uh, and she'll certainly get a, you know, just spending quite a few days in the Upper Peninsula, she'll get a lot of those, you know, warblers. So even if, even if they're not readily available in the top of the tree, you know, yeah. I think oh, we have you'll get them. You'll get them. So be patient. Get up. Learn your exactly. songs. It, you'll yep. it'll have a blast. It'll be fabulous. Yep. And and in June, the weather there has a good chance of being nice. You know, That's what we're hoping. So yeah. there's, there's no no guarantees about the weather anywhere, but uh, it it could be pretty darn nice. Mosquitoes mm, may be an issue, but not too bad probably. I got I I got her a good head net. So yeah, good good. You guys gonna camp out? Are you gonna hotel it? uh probably a hotel mostly so yeah so yeah very nice i'm, so I'm, I'm getting old and lazy so so sierra what uh what warblers uh, or i guess what uh songbirds are you uh most excited about on that trip it sounds like it'll be a great time for you um well if obviously like the rare ones like connecticut curlins but just any of them because i haven't seen yeah. Do you have things like indigo bunting and uh, dixisle and that? You so you have some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Still, I, I think it's most of the the warblers. Uh, I, I I think who knows if you get them all, but I think we kind of did the math of about maybe about twenty light birds for her. So yeah. That's that's a big trip. That's yes. a big trip. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, so that's going to be. I have to say, Scott, it's got to. It, taking out somebody to find birds for the first time is always special. And when it's your daughter, oh my goodness, that's even better. That's actually been a great joy of mine. Just again, kind of, kind of revisiting these places and almost just kind of experiencing that together has been almost more fun than seeing them the first time myself. So, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So Sierra, what parts of the country have you had a chance to visit? Uh, obviously the Northwest. Um, yes, obviously Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Um, we've been to California twice, once, twice. I don't know. Um, Texas, uh, Florida, and then Nebraska and Iowa, and Colorado. So you made a pretty good throw. You still haven't gotten to Southeast Arizona yet, huh? That's got to be high on your list. Oh, and Arizona. Okay. I was going to say, I couldn't believe you'd had to take it to all those places and hadn't taken it to Southeast Arizona yet. That that was hard yeah, we to comprehend. To Arizona last year. Very nice. Very nice. So Sierra, you you were the, the winner of the uh, Patrick Sullivan Young Birders Award, what, two years ago or something like that? Uh, did you get a chance to do that or has COVID put that on the back burner? Um, so I was supposed to do the Cancer Cow in Arizona last year, but it did get canceled from COVID. And but I was rescheduled to do it this summer and hopefully I can go. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm sorry, which camp did you say? I didn't hear that. 
Um, Camp Chiricahua. Okay, that's in Arizona. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's run. Uh, it's they travel all around, I believe, but I think it's based out of Cave Creek. Okay. Um, and then uh, so that's partly what spawned the trip last year was she was scheduled to go down there and it got canceled. And I was like, well, you know, that that's kind of a stinker. There's no reason why you and I still can't go down and, and just be COVID safe and yeah, and uh, go hang out in the mountains. So, yeah. uh, so hopefully if you're camp, it, we got an email today that says that they're planning on holding it. So good. For that was you. a great news. That is um, great news. And uh, yeah, actually in some ways it, Things kind of work out for the best sometimes that she got most of the life birds, so she can kind of go back and actually just study them now and exactly them. And there won't be the kind of the rapid like pick and not really remembering stuff. So exactly. Seeing birds for a second time is sometimes almost as good as the first time because you really get to you know drink them in. Yeah. That'll be cool. Uh, Sierra, how do you study for birds? How do you learn? Are you a uh, study the books or are you more an online study or how do you learn? Um, normally I study the, the songs and the, and I have a bird book when I'm going like for a trip, uh, and I just look at normally like possible birds that are normally there and then learn like their songs or calls too. Mm -hmm. Have you had a chance, Sierra, to, to, uh, have any other mentors besides your dad, some other local birders or other, other, uh, you know, experienced birders who've uh, been able to, you know, help you along? Um, your almost neighbor. He lives about three blocks away from us here. Oh yeah. Andy and Ellen Stephanie. Oh. Yeah, just Andy and Ellen Stepnuski, not like they're good or anything, you know. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't get better than that. I was going to ask your dad to tell us a little bit about his work with uh, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife and the shrub step habitat. And if you live near Andy, uh, you have two, two experts on that uh, in the neighborhood. T tell me about your work, Scott. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, been lucky enough to uh, work as a habitat biologist for... Uh, fish and wildlife and work in uh, primarily the kind of the forest and, and shrub step habitat, trying to, I guess, both trying to protect it, but also, you know, trying to actually do a lot of forest uh, and shrub step restoration uh, as well. Obviously both those habitats really need it. You know, our forests are, have not been in good shape after we kind of, you know, didn't take care of them for many decades. Uh, and then all the fires and uh, just huge decline of the, of shrub step. So, uh, um, yeah, I think one of the biggest things right now we're trying to educate on is, uh, uh, and I know you had um, a good friend of mine, Jason Fedora, on yeah, uh, as well, which I, I work with Jason a lot, is just trying to get the shrub step appreciation out as far as, you know, obviously a lot of birders and biologists know what value the shrub step is, but a lot of the public doesn't know the jewels that are out there. I have to say, I mean, I, I birded for a long time before I really came to even begin to appreciate that. Probably the thing that, that got me to make, start an appreciation was when we had Andy talk to our ABC Birding Club. 
Uh, we have a local birding club in Tacoma, the ABC Birding Club, and and he he came and talked to us about the shrub staff habitat, and actually then led a trip in April the next spring uh, for ABCers to go, and I I missed that trip. I was working, but uh, yeah. my wife got to go, and I heard it was fabulous. Uh, for listeners who may not be as uh, in tune, tell us what shrub step habitat is, and and some of the challenges it faces. So shrub step habitat is um, found in. Uh, what's kind of thought as uh, in, in Washington, kind of found in the Columbia uh, Basin area, so where you know where we don't necessarily have the mountains or or the forests, and primarily, so the word uh, shrub reiterates the, whether it's sagebrush or some of the other shrubs, and then step is an Asian word for grasslands, and so it literally means you know shrubs with grasslands, and so. Um, um, and that's kind of where we get the diversity in there as far as, you know, a lot of your sparrows actually nest in the grass. But then other birds like sage thrasher, loggerhead shrikes. Sage thrasher is what I did my master's on many years ago, uh, actually out in the whiskey dick. And, and uh, they, they need the, the shrubs to nest in. So uh, that's one of the things we're really facing now is um, a lot of these fire areas, even if the grass comes back, sagebrush is not very tolerant of fires. And so I think as, as, as people have commented on, uh, unfortunately viewing the devastating fires from last year is, you know, there's just many square miles that, you know, we don't have any sagebrush left. Um, yeah. You know, sage grouse can't really survive without, I mean, they eat sagebrush. Sure. And so, uh, and nest in it. And so uh, even if you had good quality grassland, if you don't have sagebrush, you don't have species like, Greater sage grouse and cheatgrass is a big problem too, isn't it? Exactly, and and then when uh, and unfortunately, while that'd be the ideal situation, the bunch grass would just come back. Usually, isn't the case. It usually has often burned hot enough that it kind of removes the grass cover as well, and then cheatgrass replaces it. And yeah, we start a vicious uh, cycle. I had, uh, set up uh, for another fire in a year or two. <laughs> exactly. I if uh, if if um, listeners want to check it out, I was. Uh, Ed Swan had asked me to kind of write on the decline of shrub step uh, for Washington birds. And so that article was just, just uh, posted in there and kind of summarizes the exact situation and problems that you're talking about. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I hope that we, do, you know, can turn the situation around, but it's not going in a good direction. So it's, uh, I, I always try to maintain some glimmer of hope, but it's, Right now, it's kind of depressing. I, we were out, uh, I got Sierra to actually go out with uh, uh, Mike Shorter, a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, we were trying to not uh, depress her too much, but we were talking about <laughs> that. And it's, it's, it's really hard for folks like Mike or Andy or myself that have spent so many years out there to see what it's become. It's hard to maintain a positive attitude. We're trying, but it's hard. So yeah. I, I hear you. I'll make sure I put a, a link in the podcast notes to that article in Washington Birder. Uh, Washington, is it Washington Birder? Washington Birds, I think is the name Washington of that. Birds, yeah. yeah Washington then, Birds, yeah. Uh, the other one I can send you a link if uh, if it works is um, I'm particularly proud of, I was one of the uh, producers on the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife and Conservation Northwest just partnered on a shrub step uh, outreach film that uh, was published, I believe it was in January. Okay. Uh, you know, it may have made, it's called This Land is Part of Us. Okay. Uh, and uh, it may have uh, made the, but I can send you the link to that. And uh, it's, it's a, um, 
It was done by a, a filmmaker actually out of Seattle, Ted Grudowski, and it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, piece. I'm really was really pleased to be able to work with Ted, and he does wonderful material. So very cool. Very cool. That sounds terrific. Uh, so, Sierra, tell us about the, uh, you're going with your dad on this, is it a breeding bird survey? Or what did you say you're doing uh, Friday? Um, Saturday, we have uh, Yakima does a countywide migration count. Oh, okay. How do you do that? What's that involve? Um, we get up, it's more like um, we get up at like 1.30 and start owling in the morning, and then mm-hmm. we go to like white pass and then work our way down mountains and Bethel Ridge and like Rimrock and Clear Lake and the Weenus and just count of birds and go do to you do point counts or do you just bird or how does that what's that like it it's uh, I think several counties do them um it's basically we've divided the the county into different areas so we have the white pass corridor uh and so various teams throughout the county are are doing that and then it's a cumulative count so i uh and then i i compile it as well as uh uh do it but yeah the the teams record their species and the total numbers you know kind of it's kind of like a county-wide christmas bird count very cool so even uh things as common as barn swallows Every you know, we might get maybe 856 barn swallows yeah. uh, by the time all the teams added up. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the the, the county is divided into nine or ten territories, and uh, each each group covers. So yeah, we have from White Pass to uh, Oak Creek. So, is it going to be just the two of you in your group, or do you have some other people along? Um, just us two. Yeah, good. So <laughs> you, you don't have to teach anyone; you just get to do it, huh? Yeah, yeah, just um. A couple of years we have had folks join us, but you know, just because we're still uh, in the middle of COVID this year, all teams right. are are just kind of staying with their households. So, yeah. very cool. Uh, so, uh, Sierra, what do you see going forward in birding? What what do, do you want to uh, incorporate? Uh, you know, ornithology, nature into your education as you go forward, or do you want to continue to be a hobby and have other thoughts? Uh, the dreaded question: What do you? Where are you headed? Um, I have. Mom, what I've thought of doing is um, zoology and working with animals, so that could involve more more mammals or birds. Mm-hmm. Still, but still, bird and have that more as hobby. Uh huh. So that's cool. That's cool. I have to say, uh, a lot of the best birders that I know are. Uh, uh, experts in something else, you know, they might be attorneys or physicians or accountants, or you know, you, you do, to be a great birdie, you don't have to be an ornithologist. Uh, you can just uh, have a lot of fun and have a second career, or you know, you can uh, become a, a you know, a field biologist and do it that way. So there's tons of different routes to loving birding as a lifetime. One thing that I've I've purposely made a point of, uh, and I think I've been honest with you about it, is you know, I'm I'm not. I don't want to steer her either way. So if she wants to have the same field as me, that's great. And if she wanted to do something, like you said, that had nothing as a job, nothing to do with birding and hick as a hobby, that's completely fine as well. So uh, I, I want her to, I want her to choose her own path. And, and that way it's not that you're doing something because your dad works in it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, uh, 
I, I tried to really hard to raise my kids to be strong, independent thinkers. So be careful what you wish for. You might get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy yeah. when she disagrees with me. It's a good thing. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, good. Uh, so uh, it's really been fun talking to you guys. Uh, Tell me some stories about birding together. What, tell some places you've been. Some of you, Sarah, what's your, if you had to pick your favorite time of birding with your dad, one, one trip or one day, what would you say? Not really birding, but when, well, dealing with birds, when we got to band um, little burrowing owls, oh. owls special very nice. Were you, were you doing that as part of your work? I, I think I think Jason gave a program at was it WAS or what? no? It's to some local Audubon Society. He gave a program recently about WDFW and and uh, studying burrowing owls. Yeah, we we went down and joined Jason for an evening uh, when he was uh, banding uh, some of his uh, nestlings that he does every year. So yeah, she uh, very cool. Yeah, them yeah. hard hard to beat a bird in the hand, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think so. My uh, most exciting ones have been. Um, it doesn't happen a lot, but there are quite a few times when we've we found a bird that actually is rare enough that it's a life bird for us both. Yeah, and uh, that, that's uh, I, I try to make her realize just how special that is. That you know, it, you know, I almost forty years for myself, and you know, looking for a certain species, and I. It's actually a good thing. Got to got got to finally experience it when we both see it together. So yeah. Yeah. Get, name a couple of those, Scott. Um, so I think one that uh, actually totally. So there's a few when we go. It's a target bird, but I right. think totally unexpected. Uh, on a on a when we were down in California, uh, we were taking a boat actually out to uh, Santa Cruz uh, mm -hmm. to you know look for the scrub jay. Right. And on the way back, uh, this was not. This was just your regular you know island packers trip. Mm -hmm. And on the way back, uh, there was a, you know, a nice shearwater flock in there. And in the middle of that was an immature red-footed booby. Ooh, very nice. And that nice. was an ABA bird for me. And uh, and so, yeah, literally the same excitement of when you find a rarity on a project trip. Yeah, very nice. And a uh, life bird for us both. And uh, the I, I'm sure a lot of the people, you know, because it was not one of the Island Packers birding trips. So a lot of the people on there were not birders. I'm. I'm sure that they thought we were a bit nuts, but I was screaming at Sierra to grab the camera and take pictures of it because, you know, I knew that it was, uh, you know, would likely, you know, need to be you know, reviewed. And, uh, you know, even in, even in California, that's a pretty rare bird. So, that is, yeah. that is a good bird anywhere in the lower 48 or as a continental Absolutely. 48. So, yeah. Uh, that was, I think that's one of the most, uh, things that stick out to me. It's just, uh, I think one of the captains after about five minutes goes, could that be a red-footed booby? And I think I screamed up at the uh, wheelhouse and go, yes, and we've been getting pictures of it. Do you want them? <laughs> yeah. Um, I also remember a day when we were out at Nua Bay, Nia Bay and oh, yeah. saw a state bird, a new state bird, like a first, a first I guess I should say first state record um, when we saw the field sparrow and we found oh, that. I've I forgot you guys found that. That was a heck of a bird. I, I forgot about that as well. Good, good reminder. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, 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 we're able to actually yeah view that with a good friend of ours as well, Eric Heisey. So that was uh, it was unexpected by all of us and a very memorable day. So yeah. 
Yeah, that is super cool. We're all mourning Nia Bay still. Yes. yes. Hopefully maybe this year, who knows? So, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I still need Broadwing Hawk for Washington. And this was my spring. I was just going to take two or three days and hang out on the ridge there until one came by. And well, maybe next year. We'll see. Uh, so that that's uh, cool stuff. Uh, do you have any other, uh, Scott, any other uh, really uh, memorable times, uh, uh, special times of getting to take Sierra to a special place? I think one of the times that's particularly memorable for me, um, actually it's a good reminder of when we just had the, the WASP program the other night is uh, um, she got on our first project trip when she was about, and I remember even the year before chatting with Phil and Chris both of like Ken's kind of young how, how do you feel about it and so kind of the build up and Phil's like you know what if she's your daughter I'm sure she's pretty pretty well behaved she's going to listen to instructions and sounds okay I, I think there's been several kids going out since then but back five or six years ago having a 10 year old out there was not common and uh, just kind of getting around the ocean for the first time. And, well, I think what we've all experienced on the ocean of even just seeing, uh, you know, seeing shore waters for the first time is was pretty. Do you get seasick, Sierra? Uh, not too much. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Good for yeah, you, boy. Maybe one trip ever. Uh, she's had a little bit, uh, but. You are, um, you are fortunate. When I yeah. was 10, <laughs> oh, that would not have happened. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, just just being able to kind of watch her discover the ocean was uh, pretty memorable to me. So yeah, yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. That's super cool. Uh, well, guys, it's been really fun talking to you. I wanted to. Uh, I always try to give my guests a chance to uh, do a shout out for a cause that's important to them. Is there is there a cause that uh, you want to uh, have listeners make sure they hear about? Uh, I I think for me, it's just a matter of uh, any of our. Um, whether it's different conservation organizations, but just kind of uh, trying to get the preservation of, uh, of Shrub Step and uh, just get general awareness, you know, get, uh, you know, go introduce somebody that doesn't know anything about it, the birds and the flowers and the Shrub Step. So, yeah. And I also uh, give uh, listeners an opportunity to let people know how they can reach out to them. How could people reach out to you if they wanted to get a hold of you? So I have uh, my, uh, my email address, uh, happy to anytime. D-O-W-N-E-S-S at charter.net. Yeah, always happy to, uh, you know, try to lead my fair share of field trips and and small stuff. And, uh, you know, it, you know, I certainly learned from from folks as I was growing up and, and stuff. So I, I think it is important to give back that knowledge. You know, we, we all learn somewhere. So it's important to, to acknowledge that and try to try to give back. So I think we all try to do that in our own way. Uh, thanks, guys, for being on. I really appreciate it. And until next time, you take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. Well, how much fun talking with a, an accomplished father-daughter birding team. Uh, great time talking with Scott and Sierra today. Uh, I wish them all the best and really had fun talking with them today. Hope you enjoyed it, too. Make sure you check out the Bird Bitter blog post on birdbanner.com where I'll have more information about some of the things we talked today. And until next time, good birding. Good day. <laughs>